0: The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence Where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing and spirituality will set you free
1: I'm Richard Lawrence and this is an Etherious Podcast We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body Mind Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network and Oneness Talk Radio. Well welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show and as always I'm joined by my very good friend Darren Ball as our producer who really is the power behind this show in many respects and who responds to all your questions and boy we've had some great questions and accounts and experiences come into us and we're very grateful for those as well as any comments that you make. Now, the journey of life can be expressed in a very simple way because it's the journey of consciousness from the lowest of our major chakras, the base center, through each chakra in turn up to the highest one, which is the crown center or Brahma chakra. Now, we've discussed over and over again on the Spiritual Freedom Show that in this day and age, this has to be achieved through service but many spiritual practices can be used along the way. And I would go further and say there'll come a stage when spiritual practices will be essential to accomplish this journey of spiritual development, if you like, such as yoga breathing, visualization, mantra, course prayer, and always with the focus primarily on service. Now, that's a change from the ancient teachings, although I was really delighted that I friend of mine sent me a book with uh, some wonderful quotes in it and one of these was from the Isha Upanishad which as you may know is a very ancient Vedantic text and generally you'd expect to see there a total focus on meditation on detachment on seeing all material things as maya you know we're not against material things they have to be used they have to be applied it's materialism that we don't accept on this show. That's a very different thing. But this quote from the Isha Upanishad goes as follows. In dark night live those for whom the world without alone is real. In night darker still, for whom the world within alone is real. The first leads to a life of action, the second of meditation. But those who combine action with meditation go across the sea of death through action and enter into immortality through the practice of meditation. In other words, just concentrating on the physical world is dark, but so is just concentrating on the inner world. Very unusual thing to find in Vedantic texts. Action and inner development are both essential. You don't always find that in some of these older teachings, so it's nice to see a balance here. But things have changed since then. Even such a balance isn't sufficient because the clear-cut unambivalent. Priority is now service. Now I've seen cases even among friends of mine where people have been so intent on the outer world of action, even through service though, that they've lost touch with the inner world. And that's led in some cases to people leaving the path of service. So hence the vital importance of keeping that inner flame burning, even while dedicating one's life to service, to all now, this was put brilliantly in 1957, that early, in a transmission by the Master etherius called Ye Are Gods. I think this is even more brilliant, I should say, than the Upanishad extract I read to you. And this is it, the Master etherius. You know, the shortest journey that you can make takes you the longest time to complete. That, dear friends, is the journey within you. If you go deep within your hearts, deep within your own minds, deep within your own intuition, and bring forth the treasures as you find them into the world outside, then, dear friends, can you illustrate to yourselves that you are really angels in disguise? Beautiful phrase, that. And the truth, of course, is that the outer world is a reflection of the inner world. The two are completely interrelated, and the journey through life is also a journey through our psychic centers or chakras. And that's superbly expressed in our extract for today. Mars Sector 6 in the sixth freedom, which I'm now going to ask Darren to play for us.
2: The shortest distance which terrestrial men can take is the distance... which is covered by the journey deep within. But it takes him longer to travel this relatively few millimetres than any other journey he will ever have to make.
1: Mars Sector 6 speaking through Dr George King in somadic trance. Outstanding words, and I think you'll have noticed how they chime with the quote from the Master Etherius in 1957, four years earlier, And those two masters are so in tune, they're completely different styles and approaches but totally in tune one with the other. So this is the journey of the consciousness from the base center to the crown center. It's technically the movement of kundalini through each of these centers in turn awakening them each as it does so and thereby revealing the ever higher levels of awareness and realization. In fact you can easily tell that some of those who are regarded as leading figures in the mind, body, spirit, and self-help movement today have not experienced this journey—at least not very far. They can't have done so. If they had, they wouldn't make statements like, for example, "Sex is the highest form of love," because they would know that, however wonder they may consider their sexual experiences to have been, and I'm not going to deny that for them. But those cannot be compared with the awakening of higher chakras in terms of bliss or long-term realisation. They would know, not as a theory, but as something they've learnt from personal experience of this journey. Another speaker whom I've actually met and who is revered as an enlightened teacher who would talks in a very complicated manner, drawing on psychology, neuroscience, but is unable to answer A very simple question. I've heard this, such as, is there life after death? He doesn't know because he hasn't had that realization by this journey through the chakras. Otherwise, he would have had along the way psychic contacts, possibly astral, well, definitely astral travel at some stage. And I'm sorry to say that when it comes to spiritual leadership in this period, it is a case of the blind leading the blind. And by that, I mean blind in the third eye not the two physical eyes. Even the Bible, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 22, says this, and you know we don't believe every word that's in the Bible, but this is an interesting statement. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And I want to say to you, that it's a strange thing. I came across that quote, and on the same day, unbeknown to me and completely independently, my wife Alison came across the same quote and explained it to a Bible society, not that they accepted her explanation, but there you go. And how many millions of Christian believers have read that line without any understanding of what it really means? And I include in that popes, archbishops of Canterbury, patriarchs of Orthodox traditions, um, hopefully not all of them, but sadly far more than there should be, just don't understand that because, again, of their lack of spiritual experience if they'd raised even partially their consciousness upwards towards the christ center even if their vision of this eye was really coming mainly from the solar plexus center which he can do at first but they would have experienced the fact that to quote the bible again thine eye be single they would at least have started to see the multitudinous lights that shine in and through the higher bodies. From personal experience, at the very least, they would have had a glimpse of this and they would recognize it as soon as they came across that line. So whether it be in orthodox traditions or whether it be in mind, body, spirit traditions, it's this lack of realization, I'm sorry to say, among even spiritual leaders, some of them so-called spiritual leaders, I'd have to say, that shows their lack of awareness and therefore they can't give the right teachings because they haven't experienced them I hope that's going to throw some light on the journey of the chakras or the the journey through the chakras but we're going to continue it uh, next time but Darren I'd like to introduce you now to the show
3: Thanks very much, Richard. Yeah, I think you've uh, you summed it up beautifully there, you know, not just in terms of our path, but the path today that we're talking about that's clear that service is the priority, but also that we need to go within to keep that inner flame burning, as you say, and yeah. um, can't really be successful one without the other. And what is and a
1: reflection um, of the other, isn't it? So, you know, we do the inner absolutely. journey, is reflected in the outer world, and in the outer world, it can bring us to a higher realisation within.
3: Yeah, I think this is the, the positive and kind of virtuous cycle that leads us to enlightenment that's so well illustrated in these teachings. Uh, it was an understanding, I think, for me, of the chakras and of kundalini that was a massive moment for me on the path because, you know, while I'd always believed, you know, that great wisdom and spiritual powers were possible, I just couldn't understand how it was possible. But the key to our potential was, and it is here, as you're describing, is, is the chakras. And, mm. you know, for me, that was like, aha, that's the mechanism. That's how it's technically possible. This is not just a theory at all. This is how to do it. And that, that was a massive uh, revelation and breakthrough for me.
1: Yeah, indeed. Now, do we have any questions today? We do. And I'll just say just for a moment before we do that, that if
3: anyone listening today has anything they'd like to share or something you'd like to ask Richard about, do drop us a line at spiritualfreedom at uk. We'd love to hear from you, of course. We'd love to share your thoughts and stories on the show to inspire others. And I think we've got a good question this week here, Richard, particularly relevant to our message today and um, this person says as follows he says um, many problems in the world currently and I know running from them into spiritual make-believe is a fruitless and illusory balm which should be quickly awoken to however armoring the individual neophyte to be of use both of this world and also outside of it is an intriguing philosophy it seems that there may be some wisdom in monastic orders who practice periods of complete silence for this seems to be at least in my experience, some considerable dissipation of raised levels of consciousness when encountering the daily cut and thrust of material life. While I have no wish to join the silent order nor announce the pleasures available in the material world, how does the genuine seeker, particularly of this path,
1: hasten and harness a yin and yang in both camps? Excellent. and Absolutely, Darren, in tune with what we were just talking about. And it's so true. It's a very perceptive uh remark and question i think mm, um, yeah indeed silence is mentioned there there is a quote actually in the very first transmission ever delivered uh, through in public through dr king possibly through anyone actually in public cosmic transmission this was by mm. the master Etherius, and in it and i'm haven't got it in front of me so i might have it slightly wrong but it's something like this be still and know that i am god is uh, one of the great quotes in According to the master theorists, even beyond this earth, or or thoughts. So absolutely true. One has to, as I said earlier, keep the inner flame burning, and it's dangerous, dangerous on the path not to, because you can lose your way, as this questioner makes very clear, by becoming embroiled. On the other hand, you go to the other extreme, and you—it's even more dangerous, and even that apanishad I read out it, it mm. agrees with that so it is a balance as long as the primary focus is always service and so that when you're going within you're going within if you're going into stillness if you're going into silence you're doing it because you know that will enhance your service
3: yeah, absolutely. I think it gives us all um, like a focus um, beyond just the, the practice itself and even enlightenment itself, which is greater, which is the enlightenment of all life on Earth. And that's really our, our, our mission here. Um, and really following the example that we've been given by Dr. King, by the cosmic masters who've given us these teachings in the first place.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much, Darren. And thanks to all of you who listened. I know Darren has the difficult job of deciding what questions and comments not to read out because we've gotten so many good ones. But I want to thank you, and I would like to invite you, as we always do, to remember this. Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment.
0: The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence. Where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free.
1: I'm Richard Lawrence and this is an Ethereus Podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body Mind Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network and Oneness Talk Radio. Well welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show and together with my producer Darren Ball we're welcoming you very much to this and carrying on from last time with the chakras are the journey because we talked about the journey of life being a journey of consciousness from the lowest of our major chakras the base center through each chakra in turn to the highest one the brahma chakra technically it's a movement of kundalini whether you're consciously aware of that or not through and to each of these centers through the side spine, the center of the spine, actually, awakening them and revealing higher levels of realization as it does so. Now, last time I spoke about, and I actually gave a Bible quote, believe it or not, about the third eye. You'll find it in literature, too. You'll certainly find it in Wordsworth. People who weren't taught yoga, uh, it wasn't available to them, and yet they knew, and it can only be from personal experience, the existence of this third eye this Christ center and we've been asked how is it how do you start to become aware of that now the Master theorist answered this brilliantly in 1957 he gave impeccable advice I feel for those who would raise their consciousness towards the third eye or Christ center I'd like to read to you what he said and if you like, you can try to practice this. In fact, you can practice it right now if you wish, if you're in a safe situation to do so, uninterrupted and so on. Uh, as I, It's a very short extract, but you can try it as I read it to you, and this is what he said. Dear friends, let us have silence. Now in this silence, close your eyes, and with your eyes closed, Look upwards towards a spot in between your eyebrows and a little above them, the spot where the physical manifestation of the so-called third eye is. The actual eye itself, of course, is in the subtler bodies. Look upwards towards that spot. So that's the end of the quote. It's given, as the mastery theorist always does, in a conversational, uh, very encouraging very helpful manner but i believe it's extremely precise far more than it may appear to be because right at the beginning as you'll notice he's telling us to look first of all towards the spot where the physical manifestation of the so-called third eye is now we don't dwell on that in fact some say it's dangerous to dwell on the physical spot but we have to take our consciousness there first and then look out And this is where our focus should be, several inches in front of it to the spot parallel, if you like, with that, but in the aura. That's where we're focused. But it's that movement and and, and upwards first, so that the consciousness is coming from there and not perhaps from a lower center, not that there's anything wrong with awakening your lower centers. We need to do that, such as, for example, the solar plexus center brings on clairvoyance, psychic abilities, and many other things. But this is an attempt to raise our consciousness upwards to the Christ center. So it's very important you'll find that you first raise your consciousness upwards and then look out towards that spot. I think that's what the mastery theorist is really telling us. And I hope that's very helpful advice to those of you who have asked about that. But the average person, and this is the great thing, uh, can achieve a natural and unforced rise of kundalini opening the chakras and taking us all the way to the verge of adept ship according to the third freedom delivered through dr king by mars sector six through service this is wonderful news indeed it's the thing to do would not recommend kundalini yoga to anyone uh, other than someone well possibly only someone such as dr king who himself was an avatar and therefore in a completely unnatural situation, uh, and therefore had to use this, or or was able to use this method, uh, it's extremely dangerous. But service is safe. And these are some words that Dr. King said about this uh, when he gave his lecture on the Third Freedom in 1961. Could you please play that, Darren?
2: The average man is told here that Kundalini rising in unforced fashion gives a balance to the centers. Can you do it by forcing it and still have a balance to the centers? Oh, yes, you can. And there comes a day when you will control Kundalini so you can rise it up and put it down again with your mind. That's what every transmission, what I do, bring Kundalini from a lower center to a higher center, lodge it there, gain telepathic rapport, afterwards put it back again and able to walk about and so on it's simple after you've done it a few hundred times they say so for the ordinary man though he can become enlightened and because when you rise this kundalini up up here when it begins to rise up here these centers become activated and they're like floodgates this center here attracts A lower aspect of mind, which is a force outside the body. Only a low vibration of mind can enter in here. A higher vibration of mind can enter in here, but when we start talking about the heart and the throat and the Christ center, we're talking about the highest mental vibrations can enter. Because when Kundalini is lodged in there, these gates open, and in comes this pressure of mind, which is an energy. Not only that, but the brain is activated in such a way that it can translate and understand this mind. That's the most important thing. And it is the power, the the female power of kundalini in the base of the spine, or the serpent power, which gives this ability. Well, service is a way Towards this kind of development. And it'll do it in an unforced, undangerous, natural fashion. This is given to the majority of people.
1: Brilliant, brilliant, fantastic, uh, and very encouraging. And I want to share with you before we end our journey through the chakras, as it were, or the chakras are the journey. An realisation that I had, I don't offer it as fact. It doesn't come from uh, Mars Sector 6. It doesn't come from Dr. King. It comes from little old me. It's not coming from a master, therefore. And you can take this or leave this, but let me put it your way. And it's this. On this Earth, as Dr. King has revealed, there are seven realms of existence. This is known. The one we're on here, the level one, is the physical realm, and there are six higher ones. There are actually four lower ones, but we're going to disregard those. They shouldn't be there anyway. But these seven levels are levels of consciousness. And when we do die, unlike a certain so-called enlightened teacher who didn't know this uh, that I saw recently, but this is the fact, we go to the level we deserve. According to our state of consciousness It's a vast subject. It's covered brilliantly by Dr. King in lectures which are available. But also, as well as there being seven levels, there are seven major psychic centers or chakras. And it came to me that the vibration connected to those chakras could be taken to relate to each one of these levels. So level one, a materialistic realm which we inhabit, could relate to the vibration of the base center. Although there is the capacity, of course, to tap higher levels as well here, but it could relate to that. Level two. The sex centre governs things like family, tie, possession, desire, and all its forms. Level three, the solar plexus would relate to the intellect, ideas, theories, knowledge with a small k. Level four, the heart centre would govern a more spiritual expression with intuitive awakening and a deeper realisation, a higher frequency of love. Level five, the throat centre, we're moving here towards adeptship, Creative genius, cooperation with the spiritual hierarchy. This is one of the realms of the masters. Level six, the Christ center or third eye. Mastery, Samadhi, representing perhaps the great white brotherhood on an even higher realm of the masters. Level seven, the crown center or Brahma chakra, cosmic consciousness. A realm which is uninhabitable for too long just as cosmic consciousness should not be dwelt in for unlimited periods, but detached from, as Mars Sector 6 tells us in the Fifth Freedom. So offer that for your contemplations as a possible thought. Of course, these these levels won't be limited only to that particular vibration, but they could govern a certain aspect of it, in which case there's a correlation between the chakras and the levels of consciousness, seven in both cases. I don't think you've heard that anywhere else before. Uh, it's something that came to me, and I thought I must share that as a thought. What are your thoughts on that, Darren? Hi, Richard. Yeah, I think you know the way you describe the chakras and the levels. You know, I find that very helpful
3: um, in terms of the choices we make about our life now. You know, because because for me, the way I look at it, just based on you described it, as sort of like. You know, am I trying to attune myself to like a level three vibration, you know, with its ideas, theories, and knowledge, with a small K, as you say, or to a level four vibration with its spiritual expression, intuitive awakening, and love, Mm -hmm. or even to a level five? And it's kind of helpful to try and identify with these higher chakras and levels, you know, in the context Indeed. of spiritual advancement and, and what they might mean in, in you know, one's life. Yeah. Moment. And so, it's yeah. interesting,
1: isn't it, that you can't ascend from any other level other than the base level. You, even if you've got to the heights mm. uh, on the other realms, you've got to come back here, reincarnate in order to ascend. I think that's a, a key because here you'll get even that very basic level and then you transmute it from here to the very highest. Anyway, Darren, do we have any questions this week? We do.
3: And I'll just say um, for everyone tuning in for the first time, I invite you to find out more about the nine freedoms, about Mars Sector 6 and Dr. George King at our website. That's aetherius.org, aetheriu org. And if you have something you'd like to share or ask, do drop us a line. That's at spiritualfreedom at uk. We love to hear from you. We love to share these on the show. So um, I think I've got a great one here. Um uh, which is definitely worth reading in full. So I'll do that. It's about an experience that somebody had, um, which they've shared with us. It goes as follows. Um, I'm a lifelong Christian, Protestant, but also a seeker and reader into many things, a new member of the society. However, I had a dream or a vision of a heavenly mother coming to me, and this changed me. Here was my vision. I went to bed and I was in a mid-state, not asleep, not yet f- fully awake, um, I was suddenly in a room, an area that was slanted, and these cloaked individuals pushed me into the point of a room that was the highest. So they had to look up at me. They parted in the middle. There were six or eight of them. I don't know the sex or genders. They were cloaked. And a feminine figure walked between them. She was cloaked. But I could see her nose and lips, Somehow, some hair curled out of the hood, and she carried a chalice. She looked like Rorick's uh, painting of Mother of the World if you know that one, Mm -hmm. she approached me, her lips drew a slight smile, and she reached out her arms, wanting me to take the chalice. As I reached for it, I felt her glowing aura. It was so beautiful. I felt nothing but pure love. It was so unearthly. I felt like nothing else matters but to be in her presence. I didn't want to ever leave. How do you explain absolute bliss, connection to pure love? I felt this. I wish now I could remember all of how that felt. It was the best feeling ever. As I accepted the chalice, she told me I was hers. And as she stepped away, I felt myself coming back to earth. The following night, I felt her presence in the room, as if letting me know that she was watching over me. Okay, she never said a name or who she was. I just assumed it was Mary. I wonder if anyone else had had an experience, something like this. And after this experience, you know, it
1: made me a seeker. And I wondered, what do I do with my experience? Beautiful, beautiful. uh, Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, And I would only say this, that Dr. King said many people from the Christian tradition who have visions of a high force sometimes attributed to Virgin Mary. It isn't necessarily the Virgin Mary, though. It's a female Mm. force, a female presence. I wouldn't like to say exactly who. In some ways, it doesn't matter exactly who. That's an absolutely beautiful experience, I think, Darren.
3: Yeah, it's, it's very archetypal, I think, of of um, that divine mother presence and how it manifests in that way for people. And I think, you know, in terms of this person's question, yeah, you know, service, I think, as you've said before, is, is always the answer and becoming a living
1: embodiment of this love energy and a channel for it in our world. It is. And service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. And on that note, we close this show. <laughs>
0: Freedom show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free.
1: I'm Richard Lawrence and this is an Ethereus Podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body Mind Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network and Oneness Talk Radio. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, and I'm joined as always by Darren Ball, our producer, and I'd like to start by bringing you right down to earth with a headline that was published in one of Britain's leading newspapers on January the 24th, 2022, and I don't think you're going to believe this uh, when you hear it. It's a very popular newspaper in Britain indeed, and this was the headline. Better sex, great teeth... And an end to snoring. How mastering your breathing can transform your life. Not enlightenment, not healing, not prayer for the world, not even psychic awareness. No, no, no. Better sex, great teeth. And here's the clincher, an end to snoring. These apparently in this day and age are the things which will, according to that newspaper, transform your life whereas to the ancient yoga yogi and indeed the modern one too mastering your breathing was one of the secrets of life because it enables you to enter ultimately samadhi and even beyond that nirvana or as we now call it cosmic consciousness it and particularly in this day and age it potentizes your outpouring of spiritual energy through prayer healing and visualization multitudinous times and helps to lessen human suffering and build world peace. But the editors of this, and probably most newspapers, consider a far more appealing outcome for their readers would be to have better sex, great teeth, and, let's not forget, an end to snoring. They consider their readers would rather do this, end snoring, that is, than end suffering. And it's possible they're right about people. I I hope they're not. But as one editor of another paper admitted to me decades ago when I was campaigning on UFOs, and he actually was honest enough to say that uh, this, he said, it's not our job to write the truth. It's our job to write the truth that our readers want to read. I think some would say it's not always the truth even at all. Uh, But obviously, they do have to cover themselves legally, usually. But it's not just journalists. I'm not just picking on newspapers or the media. Popularity comes before truth in business, on this realm, in most walks of life, especially where financial profit is concerned. And this is the saddest thing of all, even, maybe regularly, in metaphysical and spiritual circles. Not so with Dr. King or any of the communicators who spoke through him, including Mars Sector 6. So, Darren, would you please play our extract from Dr. King's lecture on the fourth freedom delivered in 1961 as Dr. King is speaking in Los Angeles about this freedom.
2: The people in the metaphysical movements in this country are some of the finest people you could meet anywhere on Earth. But they cannot, on the whole, discriminate. That is the trouble. That is the big trouble. If only they would, the world's theirs. No doubt. You see, discrimination isn't all that difficult. It isn't all that difficult. One thing, the first thing you must do, is to detach yourself from personal like or dislike. You must not care whether the man who is talking to you his face is pleasing his manner is pleasing or whether it isn't whether he wears a 250 dollar silk suit or whether he wears something which is made in scotland that cost a quarter of that money and will last ten times as long <laughs> you mustn't care about these things Whether he is a drawing-room charmer or an honest man, that is what counts. If a man is obviously cooing sweet nothings in your little pink ear in order to make you open your tightly grasped purse strings a little more, run away from him because such a one is trying to be popular. And, my friends, no one can speak truth and be popular only with the truthful, honest seekers.
1: No one can speak truth and be popular only with the truthful, honest seekers. In other words, except with the truthful, honest seekers, And I'm sure that listeners to this show are truthful, honest seekers, because if they weren't, they'd be listening to something far more popular and far less true. Even if they were giving truths, they wouldn't be as great and as important and as demanding, because those truths are less popular. Even if it was true... uh, it's probably less definite too. And, you know, uncertainty, this is strange, is more popular with some people. And and probably it's far more complicated because that's one way of avoiding difficult truths, to talk around a subject at length until it's clouded in impressive-sounding, clever words. Uh, they sound pleasing. They're sometimes backed up with uh, putative scientific support, maybe or maybe not, but it's backed up with it. And really, they're covering the true meaning in fog. I'm sorry to be blunt about this, but I think it's necessary now, just as it was in Dr. King's physical lifetime. And he stressed the point over and over again. You have only got to listen to his lectures on the 12 blessings and the nine freedoms, and you'll hear it over and over again. He was particularly concerned with the flying saucer and metaphysical platforms in those days, but the same is true. In fact, it might even be worse today. I'm not going to name names. I don't wish to attack anybody personally, especially people who may well have helped others in certain respects. If it was a personal matter, in fact, I wouldn't even mention it at all. But it's not. This is about giving false teachings, or it's about not revealing the full truth only because the full truth is unpopular. And we can't ignore that. We can't gloss over that. Um, I could name people because some of the most popular figures in the mind-body-spirit or New Age movement in the world today are classic examples of this. You know, it's much more popular to say, for example, that meditation will relieve you from stress than it is to say that it can bring you enlightenment. Strange to you, probably. Strange to me, but it is. It's more popular to talk about a law of attraction, which brings you whatever you want. I mean, that's as popular as it could get, surely. Much more popular than to talk about the law of karma, which enables you to advance to God, whether you choose to do it in a positive way through spiritual action, or, if not, the hard way through suffering. That's not popular. It's more popular nowadays to talk about directed intention to send out positive energy, than to talk about prayer, which has been doing that, if it's done correctly, for centuries. Because a lot of people don't like what they perceive to be a religious connotation. They want a secularization of spirituality. But the divine element in prayer can be the most potent aspect of it at all, more so than the directed intention which leaves out that element if it's done correctly you know one of the leading figures who used to teach so-called truths about angels and ascended masters and saints she claimed to teach people to channel and contact them as though it was as easy and quick uh, and unproblematic as making tea almost uh, she's now uh, uh, rejected all that she's a fundamentalist christian i mean i appeared on the radio with at the time it was Very obvious to me she was making it up as she was going along. But I'm told that she now says that she she believed at the time that any thought she had in that period was divinely inspired. And what it obviously was was a clear uh, imagination, uncontrolled imagination. And yet, this is the point, she was very, very popular. And week one could go on and on and on. I mean, some of the people I'm talking about were multi, probably million, I don't know, million copy bestsellers, much sold, many more copies than The Nine Freedoms are sold, although The Nine Freedoms is still in print after 60 years, and that's not easy to do. But it's not as popular because it's true. And I I realize this isn't too pleasant a subject in a way, but I think it was important on the Spiritual Freedom Show that we put that point out It's a point made um, by Dr. King repeatedly, and it's a point even that is alluded to by Mars Sector 6 uh, himself. Now, there is one thing, just to close this, Dr. King explains exactly how he got the information he got. You can believe it or not, but he does tell you how. A lot of these people, they don't. They just come up with things, they just seem to think they get it, and they don't know because of their lack of it of consciousness experience as we talked about with our chakra journey they don't have the realization to know the difference between imagination uh, wishful thinking and a real definite spiritual experience what say you darren yeah, really punchy message there,
3: Richard. I think uh, you know those three examples you gave really struck out to me. You know of um, you know the law of attraction bringing you what you want, rather than studying the law of karma, yeah. which gives us what we really need. For example, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Really I I, mean, I could
1: I could give more. You know, there's one figure of all the figures, very, very, very famous, recognised person uh, who really should know what meditation is. You think if anybody did, and he's put out, or it's been put out in his name that the deepest form of meditation is sleep, which shows he doesn't know the first thing about true meditation. Very sad, but he's an extremely mm. popular teacher. Anyway, do we have a question today, Darren? <laughs> we do, we do. So um, anyone tuning in for the first
3: time, do find out more about the nine freedoms, Mars Sector 6 and Dr. George King at our website, that's s.org. <laughs> If you'd like to write in with a question or drop us a line, share an experience even, or a story about something that's happened to you, uh, that's freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. We would love to hear from you and share those on the show. So we have a question here from somebody who says this. "Um, I was wondering if you could give me some insight on something I see and think about often. The focus and mission statement of the Aetherius Society is service and is performed by our members. Does this mean in our future lives we will spend more time in yoga and meditation with a more concentrated focus on raising the Kundalini? Many seekers in India, for example, are highly evolved due to much yoga, but maybe not performing a whole lot of service. Do you believe etherealist members are getting the service portion of our evolution out of the way
1: now? No, I don't, because I think we learn from the Twelve Blessings and we learn from the higher freedoms that even very, very advanced intelligences are focused on service. But what does happen, and this is clear in the higher freedoms, they go through prolonged periods of galactic samadhi or whatever the name might be so that opportunity must arise and i'm not going to say it will never arise in this life if we uh, it's whether we take it when the opportunities come it's there but i do believe yes that uh, there will be obviously prolonged periods but again when they arise they are and we can see this in the seventh eighth and ninth freedoms they are in order to prepare us to give even greater service, the two are completely married together. Yeah, absolutely. So it's
3: like the spirit of this is rather than getting it out of the way, it's almost yeah. it's um it's just a, a stepping stone towards higher forms of service, and that's complemented with the, the preparation of going within that will help us. And it's a that.
1: wonderful thing. It's not really. I think there comes a point. I completely understand the spirit of this question, but in the end, it's a it becomes a greater thing. It feels greater. To the individual than just concentrating on your own development. It's not even something you really want to get out of the way. You want mm. to help others and all life throughout the universe, as the great ones do. And that actually brings us to the conclusion of this show. And let's close with the words we always close with service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. <laughs>
0: Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free.
1: I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Etherious Podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body Mind Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and oneness talk radio welcome to the spiritual freedom show and I want to tell you about, actually, a very interesting article that was sent to me. Um, it was published last June in a journal called Scientific American, and it was a report. And it said that in the previous year of COVID lockdown, American mental health sank to its lowest point in history. It stated that mental disorders increased by 50% compared with before the pandemic. But the only group, it said, which saw improvements in mental health in that year were those who attended religious services at least weekly, virtually, or in person. And he quoted a statement by a former representative in Congress that the two most underappreciated treatments for mental disorders are love and faith. An associate professor of the Harvard Medical School Department of Psychiatry cited research demonstrating that a belief in God is associated with significantly better treatment outcomes and that there is a connection between religious belief and the fitness of the brain's cortex, which may help protect against depression. Now, we know that phobias and psychological complexes of various kinds, we've talked about this before on the Spiritual Freedom Show, all boil down to fear whether a person is technically suffering from a mental disorder or not. They might be in good health, but still prone to fears of one kind or another. And if you're a regular listener, you will know that the first freedom is bravery. Now, in his lecture on the first freedom, given in Detroit in 1962, Dr. King gave one very simple solution to fear of whatever kind which is, I would say, verified by this article uh, in the Scientific American, completely verified by it. And it's obvious when you think about it, but have you thought about it? So let's please, Darren, listen to this extract, this very short extract, from Dr. King speaking
2: about the first freedom. So you see how important it is to regard fear as just a state of mind, something that can, can be changed to something optimistic. Pessimism can be changed to optimism. Uh, you can build something within yourself. You can build real faith, real faith. You can't have faith and fear at the same time real faith you can build it says dr king and in his
1: wonderful book you are responsible we don't mention that very often but if you haven't got a copy i strongly recommend it to you you can get it from us or you can get it from another supplier because there's some priceless statements in it and one of these uh, and it's a real aphorism appears on page 82 it's in a transmission by the mastery theorist entitled interplanetary policy we haven't been able to ascertain when or where exactly that transmission was delivered, and we don't have an audio copy of it, but Dr. King would, of course, have arranged for a reliable transcript to be made before including it in his book. And in this transmission, the Master of Theorists made this incredible statement. Let your mathematicians play about with their three-dimensional formulas. You stick to your six-dimensional beliefs and have your nine-dimensional faith, and you will see the 25-dimensional power work out. Amazing statement, I'm sure you'll agree, for its precision apart from anything else. And to the best of my knowledge, Dr. King has never given a commentary or an explanation of this statement, so I'm offering you now just my thoughts and contemplations for what they're worth on it. Firstly, I don't think the word dimension is being used in the same way as it was used several years later when Dr. King received from a cosmic source the seven dimensions of creation. That's available in a brilliant lecture. But I would say that the word dimensions here are used to describe the relevant depth, the multifaceted aspects of terrestrial mathematical formulas when compared to beliefs, to faith, to the power which works out. Now, our materialistic culture is driven by a form of mathematics which pervades science and really limits, I think, Western philosophy. But we've been told by Mars Sector 6, for example, that 1 plus 1 does not just equal 2. It can equal 3. It can even equal 4. In reality, it does equal 4. That's another subject for another time. So I'm just illustrating that the formulas of mathematicians on this Earth are limited, and they are called here three-dimensional. But the Master of Theorists then tells us that beliefs are six-dimensional, twice the breadth and, if you like, expansiveness. Now, I've got to qualify that by saying the Master of is talking about your beliefs, and he's talking to a particular audience. We don't know the audience. We take it to be uh, an audience of people who accepted um dr king and his his claims well they wouldn't have even been there listening to a transmission and so it's not just any old beliefs it's not any old delusion it's beliefs which are based on truth you know belief is a choice and very often it's framed by what people want it shouldn't be we've talked about this before but often it is uh you know for example some people don't like certain beliefs they don't like say the idea of reincarnation some parents don't like that idea um, i came across a survey actually this is ridiculous in uh in britain a yougov i think it was that showed that among british christians only 56 percent believe in god get your head around that christians uh how could you believe in jesus and the teachings of jesus and not believe in god they think it's a choice that they can make or not make so belief is a link if it's done on truth with reality and then we move to faith which is nine-dimensional according to the master theorist and once again he's addressing a particular group and he's referring to their faith so it's again not just any it's not blind faith it's not a leap of faith it's not every faith in the world it's a real faith what dr king in that extract calls real faith something you can build on based on experience on logic on intuition and when we're ready, on inner realisation from within. I'm sure there are people who are having psychic or intuitive impressions out there in this materialistic world and rejecting them, dismissing them as their imagination, and therefore they go no further. They're not listening to their inner voice because they're conditioned not to believe in it. You get the reverse, of course. You get people who think they're getting intuition and it's just an uncontrolled imagination. But you get this as well. I mean, let's not forget some hundred years ago, there was a joint, I call it a crusade by Marxists and Freudian psychologists, among others, to jettison all forms of religion and spirituality as a mass delusion. It's failed, but the dogma of secularization, and it is a dogma, just as much as any religion has a dogma, infects a lot of thinking. But faith, when it's real, when it's based on truth, takes us even beyond belief, and it must, as Dr. King says there, remove fear from our lives, because you can't have faith and fear at the same time. And, you know, I've come across, and we talked about spiritual teachers so-called last time. There's a very well-known spiritual teacher who suddenly decided, after all several years, to go into politics, didn't do it very successfully. But I think, again, such a move like that shows a lack of faith real faith because had they had the realization they would have known that politics is not the answer it can help here and there absolutely or not help here and there but the real answer is spiritual and this brings us to the final point made by the master ethereus that we will see the 25 dimensional power work out again showing a vastly greater more multifaceted depth even than in faith or belief. Now, this is just my opinion, but I take this power that the master theorist is referring to here to be a divine power, could manifest as karma, could manifest as love in its highest sense, uh, could be a total realization of that which is true and right by God. It's not popular, but it's powerful. In fact, it's amazing what a small number of real faith and therefore no fear can do. And I'm going to return now to something I've quoted before. The first ever transmission delivered in public by the Master theorists and this statement that he made in it. Ten right people thinking together. Ten right people planning together. Ten right people loving together can change a country. How encouraging is that? Ten. It's giving wonderful hope to have such a great power working out, that it could change a country. And I would take that to be the 25-dimensional power working out. What say you, Darren?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I have to agree, it's an extremely hopeful statement, uh, one that I've no doubt our, our listeners would agree with. And, and more broadly, I think, you know, fascinating quote by the master theorist, almost to say, you know, don't forget your own divine heritage. He's kind of inviting yeah, us good to point. Uh, raise our raise our consciousness from the mundane into this light of, of high inspiration, intuition, and, and act in the light of that. And if we do so, look at what we can do together Indeed, I, I, in that respect. So if you're tuning in with us for the first time, I invite you to find out more about the nine freedoms, Mars Sector 6, and how they were given through the mediumship of Dr. George King at our website, that's ethereus.org, aetherius.org, A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. I uh, do pick out a question, a moment of truth, an experience to share on the show um, every week. And if you have something you'd like to share, do drop us a line. That's at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Um, we've got a great question here, Richard, I think, and related to uh, what we're talking about today. Mm. This person says as follows. Um, Hi, Darren. This is one question I would love for you and Richard to talk about on the podcast. Sometimes I ponder on doubting my service work and my work for God through the 12 blessings, etc. I have no doubt about all the teachings of the Theosophy. Society. Um, However, I feel like I have this cancer seed in my mind that says this is all for nothing. And will I ever truly realize my spiritual evolution with the rising of Kundalini through the psychic centers, etc.? Thank you for answering this question.
1: Wow, what an honest, honest question. And look, I think we all have doubts of one kind or another, whether they be doubts in, in our beliefs. I mean, I'm lucky I knew Dr. King. I can't doubt that because I saw him and I knew he was everything he claimed to be and more. But, you know, we can doubt ourselves. We can, I mean, we do have a lower self. We haven't yet transmuted that lower self and it's going to come up with some arguments. Of course it is. Uh, And it's good that you recognize it. I mean, that's the first step, really. And this is, I think, what Dr. King means by building real faith and drawing on your experiences. Yes, of course, there are unknowns still. Uh, we haven't yet realized full enlightenment and so on and so forth. But we have, had ex- we have done the 12 blessings, for example, and we've experienced the power and the energy. We've done different things. We have logically looked at the teachings. We've found they're true. If they are true, then all the things in them must work out in time. And I think you can just gradually, with your logic, with your listening to your inner voice, the real deep inner voice, the intuition, if you like, recognizing your experiences and not walking away from your experiences. I've seen people do that. They really know. They know it's true. Uh, Just because you're uncertain on one day or about something, that's the test of your faith. And here's a positive. Every time you conquer it, every time you stick to the spiritual path and you don't listen to that, Doubting voice, you have made progress in building the real faith. And really they're little fears that are coming in, aren't they? So we come back really to what this, this show is all about and what Dr. King actually said. That you know if you have real faith, or let's quote him exactly, you can't have faith and fear at the same time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Reminds me of um other words actually by the by the Master Theorist, in where he talks about the relationship between fear and doubt. And that mm. um you know once you once fear is there then doubt comes in the same door I think yeah. he says something. Yeah he does.
1: Sides. You're absolutely right. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Well, I think that brings unless you have any further comments you wish to make there Darren
3: well I thought I'd just share um just uh, another comment we received just a, oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago it says um everything here written and conveyed and linked, simply awesome and inspiring thank you and I just you know that oh, just nice. gave me a little joy, joy in my heart
1: and uh, <laughs> thank you very much so, indeed yes yeah. indeed and let's close with the words we always close with service is the jewel in the rock of attainment <laughs>